It's a pretty interesting time when you see history repeat itself when human rights are being violated. I'm a historian first before anything else. I've had training in technology and investments and marketing. I especially like marketing and practicing marketing, specifically growth hacking, which is uh, a much more ethical form of marketing versus the advertising and PR ways in the past um, that I used to struggle with the ethics of classical and traditional marketing long before I ever saw The Century of the Self. Uh, Great documentary on how marketers are connecting the way people consume uh, information, news, beliefs, um, all of these things that go into the brainwashing of humanity. Um, But I find it interesting now that we are um, facing a time when truther is a bad word because hard truths go against the nice flow of things, the pleasant state of mind. So hard truths are akin to dishonesty because they are simply hard to believe with the beliefs that have become acceptable. This has happened in history before. The women's rights movements and the civil rights movements were both great cases of uh, what first started to be angry women and angry black people. This went on for decades for both of them They were angry because no one was listening and their message kept improving. They didn't necessarily just keep raising their voice. They improved their argument until both of these movements had something phenomenal happen. You had this switch from messages that weren't wrong, weren't necessarily more right than the narrative that had become commonly acceptable, but over time were proved to be anti-fragile in nature. Nassim Taleb goes into uh, the definition of anti-fragile in his book. It's not unlike getting stronger over time by breaking like biological organisms, you know, working out, dieting, all all of those things are proofs that, you know, something is anti-fragile beyond robust to where they actually improve with Uh, breaking and it improves them not unlike uh, uh, how East Asian pottery would be repaired with gold after breaking and become more valuable this is that anti-fragile principle that proved to um, make the women's rights movement narrative and the civil rights movement narrative more true with time even if in the beginning They were angry dissenters with the system, essentially. We're seeing this shift now with people realizing that nobody really wants to talk out about a lot of truths that are unpopular. They were unpopular a couple of decades ago, but now they're even more unpopular because the people who have been 
most diligent in the sharing of these truths uh, come across as angry. I mean, there are a lot of justifiable reasons why they would come across as angry or frustrated, even if their intentions don't actually root from anger or frustration. I remember before I was waking up, I started to listen to uh, personalities such as Alex Jones and was really put off by how angry and frustrated he sounded. But there's a psychological phenomenon um, that marketers know about with conflict marketing that uh, describes why this is actually a brilliant tactic because what Alex Jones and others like him do when they share a message and it comes across as angry and they take that anger upon themselves and not their ideas is people never remember the ideas that Alex Jones shared, even though they're stored in their subconscious. They might actually be like, you know, Alex Jones might be on to something, but if he wasn't so damn angry, you know, I could actually believe it. There's an interesting phenomenon here with these uh, conflict causers. Kanye West was a brilliant conflict causer where he's actually very deep and rationally minded. Um, I believe that a lot of people in Hollywood are influenced beyond what they would ever consent to if there wasn't a promise of fame and fortune. But you see this, you know, these conflict marketers, whether they're used or doing it with their own intention in mind, um, I believe Alex Jones is, has his own intentions. He's not being used or else he wouldn't be censored. But the fact of the matter is, is nobody remembers that the ideas that Alex Jones shares are angry. You can find this out by, for yourself by asking people who believe that Alex Jones is angry and crazy. Ask them what his, you know... What messages he shared, something that they can actually remember, not just a, a vague recollection of some of the topics he's covered, but actual, actual details that separates his ideas from other people's, not just their general idea of what they've been led to believe a conspiracy is. They don't remember any of them. This is a very valuable tactic when we're fighting a war for the subconscious from marketers is because Alex Jones just taking that that anger, that disbelief, the early stages of the grief process of people challenging their beliefs and going through the grief of challenging their beliefs, he's taking that upon himself. In fact, anyone over the past two to three decades that has sounded angry takes that upon themselves. This phenomenon is vividly apparent in the women's rights movement and the civil rights movement, but it's, it's interesting. Most people remember the civil rights movement where you had Malcolm X, who most people will recall him being the angry one and Martin Luther King Jr., the visionary, the positive visionary. But if you, if you look at records from that time, they were both looked at the same, both as angry black men, one of them, a religious radical, the other one, you know, a terrorist, they, they both had the same message, the same talking points. But what's interesting is, even though they were both labeled as crazy, angry, radicalists, 
even so much that, you know, they were both known as criminals for breaking laws. Not, not even the criminal laws, but you become a lawbreaker in America. The public consensus is if you break enough laws, you're a criminal, even if none of them are criminal laws. Fact of the matter is when you're fighting for human rights, even freedom of speech like we're fighting for now with this censorship dilemma, when you're fighting for human rights, you are a criminal. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X were both criminals by public consensus and by the laws that they were trying to change, to challenge these ideas that something can be criminal on the topic of human rights. Anyone fighting for more human rights, in essence, and quite literally, becomes a criminal especially the ones speaking the message the most. If you are leading a movement, if you're calling people to action, you are responsible not only for any criminal acts you do, but the other people you're calling to action. This turns almost all of them into martyrs. They know that killing people has turned them into borderline prophets, whether it's Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Bob Marley, and media and these, the new wave of marketers and the sphere of influence that the, the PR experts had under their control that were breaking through, they started killing them back then. Now they know better because that turns them into a martyr and that immortalizes their message. Now their goal is to discredit and to disenfranchise. There are many platforms out there now that are uncensorable, like Library. If you haven't checked out Library, go to lbry.io. This is the start of the uncensorable media movement. This can replace all the media distribution outlets we have now currently. And it, it is uncensorable. Once it goes up there, it is there. This is something that is desperately needed and why there's people working all the time to reinvent media distribution, idea distribution, and truth distribution as we know it. You've got, you know, axe and gun combining to create the new internet. If you go to uh, the axe website, I think it's axe.com. Uh, ECO axe yeah axe dot ECO that is that is the start of a revolutionary new type of internet that's beyond what we have any idea of the dark web combined with the light web in a way that it can never be censored because even when things are changed there's records of the change. You can go back, see where and how it changed every step of the way. You don't even have the iteration changes hidden behind a user account like WordPress, which I also hear is censoring websites in waves. This is, this is the start of um, the, the great censor movement that happened with both the women's rights movement and the civil rights movement. And time proved, you know, that even now people forget that 
Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. had the same talking points. But Martin Luther King Jr. was that turning point, that pivotal turning point where somebody came in and said, I want to share a positive message, positive words. It was still seen as angry by the people who were resisting the change. But an interesting phenomenon happened where the Black Panthers had, you know, angry black people, angry white people too, that joined their cause. You had curious individuals that would listen to Martin Luther King Jr. Probably not understand why he was labeled as a criminal when he talked like their pastor, like their priest, like their parents. And they questioned, is racism truly necessary? Is segregation Is there really such a a thing as good segregation and bad segregation? And they started to question the ethics of this construct of keeping people separate, punishing people for being different. And he had such a positive tone that it, it grew in support in a way that these kind of movements do. That once you have that positive narrative that lies on top of, you know, the angry, frustrated sounding narratives. They're not coming from a place of negativity. They just sound that way because the framing is so much different. There's the framing of authority and the framing of, I have a hope and I have a dream. It's not, this is the right way. It's what if this is the right way? That framing that marketers understand can turn a message of hope into a disgusting message just through the psychological effect of framing is something that is vividly apparent to every marketer. Whether or not they even know what the framing effect is, they know how important it is. In fact, one of the greatest videos I ever saw to show an example of how important framing is to how we feel and what we believe and even what we want to do, what we want to listen to is um, a story I found uh, of somebody reading a Reddit post um, about uh, his hot sister and, you know, a story of lust and incest between his hot sister and going on a journey between him and his best friend. And it was really awkward and they kissed and it was, you know, he got religious. And then at the end of it all, he had to go off to fight his, his father, who was Darth Vader, because he joined the, the rebellion. It was a really interesting thing where it was about a five to 10 minute retelling of a story of hope that is is so disgusting sounding to most people that they don't even get to the punchline at the end. Fact of the matter is calling something fake news is actually the least effective way of getting people not to listen to a message. Marketers know that they're... <laughs> The stuff that people don't want to listen to when they start to listen to it, that's the scary stuff. That's the truth. The stuff that they label as fake news is tapping on truth. But they want you to think that they don't want you to listen to that so that you do. And that's the stuff. That's that's the stuff that they want you to listen to. The stuff that they don't want you to listen to, they don't talk about. 
it's out there, but it's framed in such a way that they know that you'll stop yourself from listening to it. These are the tactics that marketers have been using for over a hundred years now. The center of the self goes into this in depth, massive depth. If you go into library and you search for at TED, that stands for the educational dark web, where we hijack brands of censorship to upload truths and let people decide whether or not they're true for themselves, figure out how they're true for them, their story, how they can improve, improve their story. Even if they can't believe in 99% of some of these truths, many of the things that show up on the educational dark web, I don't believe completely, but they could have that 1% of truth that breaks the mainstream narrative and can inspire the next Martin Luther King Jr. of this current civil rights movement, the civil rights movement for freedom of speech, freedom of information. And you have that new visionary that fights for the rights of what I call mental health. Because it's not fair that anybody who is breaking the narrative gets labeled as mentally ill. That's a mentally unhealthy mindset that not even mentally ill always lead to mental unhealth anymore. In fact, there are so many people that are undiagnosed or are in no way mentally ill, but still behave in a mentally unhealthy fashion. Not unlike Nellie Bly found in the 1880s in the mental asylums where anxiety, depression, and mental illness were something that was a cause for concern in this newly civilized, democratic-type world that was American anxiety at that time, and people were labeled as crazy and put in these asylums. Crazy had a different connotation now. They use crazy like we use mentally ill now, and we use mentally ill not unlike we're afraid to use the word crazy now. In this connection of how we label people to dismiss them, to label them as not right or as wrong or as fake or as bad or as criminal or as lawbreakers. All of these things were apparent even back then in the 1880s. And Nellie Bly went in and changed the way we fought against these mindsets, these cult-like mindsets, these mentally unhealthy mindsets and the mental unhealth narrative separated the treatment of the mentally ill from this mentally unhealthy behavior that was being used to put people that they just wanted to dismiss into the mental asylums and she discovered that there were people in there that were mentally ill and, but the people who broke down the most in the mental asylums where they were practicing mental unhealth and their treatment of the mentally insane or the mentally ill or all of these people that were struggling, even with just anxiety or depression, their methods were so skewed because the end justified the means and it they were so off course from the ends that they were in denial that they couldn't get it back on course. And that was mental unhealth in the treatment of the mentally ill. And the mental unhealth in the rest of the world 
was just realizing it was super easy to label people as crazy or mentally ill, put them in an asylum, and even the mentally stable people with no mental illness, combined with the treatment that was considered ethical, and people's ideals of after you are labeled crazy or mentally ill, you are broken for the rest of your life. These people were driven to a level of violent insanity that the people in the asylums that were actually mentally ill were terrified that they'd be the people, you know, in the danger rooms that didn't last longer than a few months or before they were killed by the staff because they were just so violent. These were the people that were nine out of 10 mentally stable, discarded by their husbands or society for whatever reason, being too ambitious at the start of the women's rights movement back then. Lots of people in the women's rights movement were put into these asylums. This is the same phenomenon that we're seeing now that is repeated through history, whether it's Nellie Bly, who wasn't even a mentally ill person fighting for the rights of the mentally ill. We have Martin Luther King Jr. You have you have all sorts of people throughout history that once they bring in that positive narrative, it doesn't negate the ones that have been labeled as negative or angry. It empowers them in a way that lets people realize You know, Alex Jones and other people aren't wrong, but I have an easier time believing in this person. And the whole point of this new Library of Alexandria that you can find at libraryofalexandria.org, as long as WordPress doesn't take it down, that's lbryofalexandria.org. You can find our most prominent resources at theeducationaldarkweb.com you can find us on library by searching for at TED you'll find more and more of these uncensorable resources like library are going to be extremely valuable when the control that marketers have gotten is untouchable and I, I see that There's so many people breaking into wanting to tell their story because the truth isn't in the narrative anymore. The mainstream narrative, the collective narratives, the truth is in the individual stories. And the goal of the new Library of Alexandria is to connect the stories, to find ethical information based on real-life tests from people's own lives, whether this is, you know, research they've done, deductive reasoning, all of this stuff they've done in their life, the findings they found through their experiences, whether this be for, you know, education on mental health, whether this be education on how the world works, or whether this be education on how to actually start a business that isn't just somebody who is regurgitating information that is useless for people that you know, can max out a credit card to start a business that they have a hope and a dream for, but they realize this hasn't been relevant for a couple of years now. These are the sort of unethical behaviors that are apparent in the way education and information are distributed. 
in both, you know, college, um, compulsory schooling, and even those that have the desire to provide for themselves as entrepreneurs or business owners. I see this unethical behavior happening in info marketing, which I originally got my training in, and I realized that the dis disillusionment I had with marketing when I was taught the traditional marketing methods like the school of Dan Kennedy and other ones and I leaned more to what I was calling ethical marketing or advanced marketing strategy that was wildly popular in the small and medium type businesses or personal brands and then last year I started reading some Ryan Holiday books and realized oh I'm I'm just recreating growth hacking. Growth hacking is has a huge stigma against it in the in the traditional marketing educations. Growth hacking is an obscure cult-like mentality, but that's because it's ethical. It's mentally healthy. You don't sell people what they don't need and you don't try and manufacture wants. This is the beauty of growth hacking and most people realize that Growth hacking only works to a certain point before you have to introduce advertising and PR. Unless the entire system changes. That's what we're trying to do with the new Library of Alexandria project. It's a new internet of the way information is distributed. From education, to media, to entertainment, to mental health, to ideas in general. They have to have back testing. They have to have personal evidence. You have to prove your skin in the game on the side that doesn't make you unbiased. If you, if you don't know what that means, I'd suggest looking into Taleb's other book, The Skin in the Game, a precursor to Anti-Fragile. He goes over the principles of skin in the game in Anti-Fragile. So I suggest starting with that again. But uh, if anybody out there needs help, the New Library of Alexandria Project is a non-profit. I'll be providing the type of marketing that has been worth hundreds of thousands or millions in consulting to the big guys or even the little guys over the years. The marketing industry has boomed from $40 billion to over $100 billion in less than a decade. There's so much money to be had, people aren't stopping to question the ethics. I feel like I'm one of the first, but I know that there are so many that just need to learn these ethical marketing strategies. So the Library of Alexandria in my Library of Consciousness at libraryofconsciousness.com will show you how to find these resources because I don't want you to come to me as the gatekeeper of effective marketing strategy for you know what we are trying to provide more truth more education i'm trying to unschool the world in the idea that marketers are a gatekeeper i will give you all the resources that i've ever self-educated on or gotten from other people and immortalize these teachings on the blockchain for free forever. So anybody who comes to me and wants to learn what strategies will work specifically in the message they're trying to get out, the story they're trying to tell, as long as I can share what I'm teaching with you on my library of consciousness, 
in the li- libraryofconsciousness.com as well as part of the the greater Library of Alexandria Internet of Education. That's the only payment I, I ask for is for, for you to let me share this, what has been considered for decades to be proprietary information, but we can't afford to have that in this movement. Everyone needs to know how to market their brand. And they need to know it like 10 years ago. So I'm sorry that I'm late, but I've been educating myself as fast as I can in a, in a way that the school systems chewed me up and spit me out with no child left behind. I was one of those people. I had to rely on myself to educate myself on everything that I knew. Back in the days when Wikipedia was essentially the dark web of information. I had family that wasn't even allowed to use that on their their master's thesis back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that's what I used for my main source of education back then. I used YouTube when YouTube. most people were using it for the history of dance. I was watching how-to videos. I've, I've learned a pretty ineffective way to self-educate, but I'm trying to, trying to bridge those pieces together with beautiful, beautiful practices such as unschooling, Montessori schoolings, to reinvent the way that we educate mankind, both adult and children, in a way where we pay up front and once and only takes people's efforts to contribute, not unlike Wikipedia in the long run. Right now, that only payment seems to be my time, but if you want to support to this cause with the education that you have, that you want to share with mankind throughout the future... Join me in my efforts with the New Library of Alexandria project to build this internet of free education for all mankind, to build our brands and build this authority of truth with evidence, back-testing stories, testimonials that aren't based in just trust me, dude. That bullshit needs to end. Join me, whether it's sharing what you know helping me improve your message by teaching you how to market what you actually need. Not all the stuff that, you know, is charged extra for, but doesn't really help you. But you have to buy it because, you know, if you realize that you only need 1% of the marketing strategy to be effective and you don't have to pay for the rest of it, You could afford to do it on your own, but you don't know who to trust because the marketers are saying, don't trust yourself. I say, screw that. Most people can learn how to market their brand in a few weekends and a few one to two hour lessons, trying what does and doesn't work in the week in between and become self-sufficient after that. And I know most of these cross-topic knowledge bases can be shared like that so people can be self-sufficient. We desperately need this. So if you want to provide your knowledge or help contribute to the new library of Alexandria, whether it's just donations, if you're too busy to even learn, if you know everything you need to know, then, then maybe you can help by donating. We don't need the money, but it sure as well would help in the long run because we have big visions to even growth hack 
the world of nonprofits in a way to help a bigger vision, to help more nonprofits fight these conglomerates by creating a, an unowned, no ownership version of a conglomerate through decentralized technology so that you can have a virtual conglomerate-sized power of nonprofits doing great work, ethical nonprofits that have to be completely open book because that's how the decentralized pattern works. You can't have that voodoo accounting that, you know, hides behind good PR. That that era is ending. We're going to make sure of it. So you can invest in the future of human education outside of a system of control because nobody has any more control than anyone else in the new Library of Alexandria Internet. This Internet of Education where everyone is equal and there is no power to be had. There is no ownership rights. There is no company. We are building this not for an ROI as the owner of this new Internet We're building this because it is the right thing I want to play in this new economy of education and information. I want my children, my future children, to have access to this new economic theory of information distribution, this new free market, uncensorable version of an internet of education where Profits are on any other type of internet but this niche internet for freedom of information where the only investment from the student is their time. That is the vision I share with so many others. And we are building it here at the New Library of Alexandria Project. You can find our website once again at www.lbryofalexandria.org. Join us. We need everyone's help. And nobody that tries to control us will have anything to control. Truth will prevail when there is no control to be had. People are smart enough to figure out truth if they are given the room to not have to trust authorities or experts. Thank you. I want a renaissance To shine a light Be the change we want Set things right We've been waiting in the dark For so long I want awakening In my heart Hear the angels sing And shine a spark We've been sleeping in
say 